let me start us, fittingly, with prayer. Um, <laughs> actually, 668 if you want to turn there. <laughs> Again, you don't need a prayer book for this class, but if you want to, it's, I mean, we're going to be using it a lot. Um, pardon? Uh, new prayer number 71. Lord Jesus, Master Carpenter of Nazareth, on the cross, through wood and nails, you wrought our full salvation. Wield well your tools in this, your workshop that we who come to you rough-hewn may be fashioned into a truer beauty by your hand, who with the Father and the Holy Spirit live and reign, one God, world without end. Amen. So, I must begin with the story. You're going to hear a lot of stories throughout this class. That's how I operate. That's how I learn. I'm going to start with a passage of scripture. It's from Jeremiah 6, 16, the first part of it. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it. And you will find rest for your soul. Hey, it's up. Great. So, a story. Uh, as you may know, I come from a Baptist background. I didn't grow up with the prayer book. Uh, uh, and I came to Louisville because I went to the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Uh, during the economic downturn in 2009, my MA in Theology and Arts program was shuttered. Uh, I have just enough credits to be uh, one of its final graduates. Uh, after graduating, I, I spent time interning at Sojourn, and then I wound up, uh, through a variety of circumstances, staying here in Louisville. So. I took on a night shift position at Southern's campus at the hotel there. Uh, uh, by way of vitamin D deficiency and the fact that several uh, circumstances have not worked out in my favor, uh, that, that night shift and being pretty much nocturnal fueled a period of depression. In the resulting blend of mental fog and sort of existential discontent, I found I couldn't put together the words to pray. And still believing, though having this fog and this discontent, uh, that, that scared me. And so I looked for something to lean on. And I'd heard about the Book of Common Prayer. And I'd been to you know, a handful of liturgical services before, but I never actually used it. But I was in a position where I didn't know what else to do. So 
enter the Book of Common Prayer. I found that the scripture-saturated offices of morning and evening prayer became a lifeline for my faith as I struggled through the night and sort of yearned with the psalmist. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning. I, uh, I basically did it. I, I sort of flipped the offices morning and evening to work with a nocturnal schedule. <laughs> There's solace in joining with the saints of old in prayer when you feel your world failing. Alan Jacob writes, For many who have felt themselves at the mercy of chaotic forces from within or without, the style of the prayer book has healing powers. It provides equitable balance when we ourselves have none. By immersion in the Psalms, scripture reading, and ancient prayers of the church, I found a connection to past saints and finally found my voice to pray again. Uh, The prayer book has been transformative in many people's lives for many generations. Uh, if you go onto the website, I help manage shameless self-promotion here, uh, Anglican Compass, almost all of what we call Anglican journeys, the stories of people who have been moved to Anglicanism from another Christian tradition, share a draw to the prayer book. What they all have in common is how the liturgies themselves continually draw them closer to God. It preaches the gospel to them. And why not? So much of what is in the prayer book, around 80%, depending on the edition you have, is either direct quotes or paraphrases of Scripture. The late Anglican theologian J.I. Packer, who worked on the 2019 prayer book, which we use, uh, Uh, among his final earthly tasks, wrote this about his own experiences with the Book of Common Prayer. He says, uh, when he was young, the prayer book bored me stiff because Christianity bored me stiff. After Jesus Christ made himself known to me, and claimed me, however, I began to value the prayer book as what others have often called it, namely, the Bible arranged for worship, and to see its two-world, grace-oriented, Christ-centered outlook as the highest wisdom. I began to discover how, as you put, uh, as you use it, it pulls you into its own world, I began to find out how it expands you emotionally and relationally as a person and how at every turn of the road, it highlights and honors our Lord and Savior, Jesus. So, it is transformative for me, for Packer, for many people. But what is the Book of Common Prayer? This is what we'll unpack 
so much during the course of our class. But quite simply, the Book of Common Prayer, which, is, which we'll also call the BCP or just the prayer book, is the comprehensive service book of liturgies for both public and private worship, for churches and individuals of the Anglican tradition worldwide. More precisely, it's a family of books sharing a common lineage back to the very first Book of Common Prayer of 1549. The prayer book both shapes how Anglicans worship and articulates through its liturgies what Anglicans believe. It has also heavily influenced both Christian worship outside of the Anglican tradition as well as the English language itself for almost 500 years. The uh, Archbishop of Canterbury, Thomas Cranmer, was the primary person responsible for the first Book of Common Prayer in 1549 and its revision in 1552, along with a group of about 12 other bishops who worked alongside him. However, since these first prayer books, subsequent editions have been produced and revised by the leadership of the Church of England and various Anglican churches worldwide. Ah, okay. uh, yes. The first prayer book was published in 1549. It was revised in 1552, 1559-1604-1662. Uh, prayer books throughout the worldwide Anglican Communion, including our own. In the United States, several editions of the Book of Common Prayer have appeared over the years. We'll talk about all of those in more detail later. This is this is the really big overview class. Uh, uh, However, for the sake of this class, I'll mention a few in case you want to get a copy while we're traveling through it over the next few weeks. So, uh, so basically, the, the ones you will find most in stores or on Amazon or whatnot are the 1662, which is the original. The one easiest to get right now is... is an edition of that put out by IVP called the 1662 International Edition. It has some nice little helps in the back, and it's formatted and and adjusted to be great for modern readers. There's the 1928 prayer book, which a lot of very, very traditional Episcopal churches and and other earlier spin-offs from the Episcopal Church still use. Uh, it's still very much traditional language, lots of 
these house preserves a lot of the Elizabethan stuff. Um, but that came out in 1928, and that was the Episcopal prayer book until 1979. 1979 is the prayer book that you will most encounter in stores, <laughs> regrettably. Um, uh, and it is probably also the hardest to use. Um, but, but it's out there, and it was the first one that I prayed the office through, the morning and evening prayer. So it still works. Um, uh, meanwhile, uh, the ACNA's 2019 Book of Common Prayer, which is what our liturgies here at Grace are based on, uh, is available, but it's only available to buy uh, from Anglican House Publishers. Uh, I'll give you a link to their website at the end. You can, and uh, I just learned this, you can get the, uh, the Kindle version on Amazon, but that's the only version you can get on Amazon. So, uh, Meanwhile, there are some books that could be mistaken for the Book of Common Prayer. Lots of things have common in their name. Uh, but specifically, I want to reference... Because you can find it in Barnes and Noble and what whatnot, a book called Common Prayer: A Liturgy for Ordinary Radicals. Uh, it, it looks nice. It's it's bound in uh, in sort of a canvas hardcover. Uh, it's edited by Shane Claiborne, Jonathan Wilson, Hartgrove, and Enuma Okora. Uh, it doesn't share the language of the Book of Common Prayer. It doesn't share the themes of the Book of Common Prayer, uh, and it mainly works as, as a sort of daily devotion of uh, daily liturgies uh, and everything. So uh, don't get that one. Or if you do, just don't mistake it for this. Now, <laughs> uh, even though there are many editions of the prayer book, uh, they are they are unified more than not in their language and purpose. Editions of the prayer book contain written liturgies for almost any service held in an Anglican church. These include daily prayer services, which is what we call the daily office. That's morning and evening prayer. Sometimes there is also midday and night prayer. Night prayer is called Compline. Uh, there is weekly worship. That's, that's our, what we call Holy Communion or Eucharist that we do every Sunday. Uh, there are special services such as Ash Wednesday and Good Friday. There are services through, for throughout one's life, from baptism to a wedding to a funeral, <clears throat> along with services to minister to the sick and dying. Uh, there are ordination and consecration services. This is called the ordinal. Uh, uh, so you can consecrate a bishop uh, or ordain a priest or a deacon. There is a psalter. The entire book of Psalms is in your book of common prayer. Uh, stuck right in the middle. Why? Because we use it a lot. There is a calendar to help you follow the church year, along with lectionaries to let you know what passages of scripture to read during the services mentioned uh, in uh, everything above. 
And uh, there are uh, special prayers and thanksgivings that you can use throughout the church year at any time. These are called the collects. Uh, uh, finally, uh, a lot of editions of the Book of Common Prayer also have a catechism in them. Uh, our current prayer book does not, because our catechism is so big, it's set aside as a separate book. But all this to say, with just a Bible and a prayer book, you should have all the text you need to hold an Anglican service. Finally, I'm going to talk a little bit about the actual impact of the prayer book. We're probably going to finish early today, which is good because I didn't know how long it was going to take to get this set up. Um, the Book of Common Prayer is, according to historian Dermot McCullough, one of a handful of texts to have decided the future of a world language. It's actually the second most quoted book in the English language after the Bible, uh, according to the Oxford Dictionary of Quotations. It surpasses even the complete works of Shakespeare. Few things have contributed more phrases to uh, the English language than uh, the Book of Common Prayer. You really have to compare it to Shakespeare or to the King James Version of the Bible uh, uh, to, to get into the, the same ballpark. Uh, Phrases like ashes to ashes and till death do us part originated in the Book of Common Prayer. Lutherans, Methodists, Presbyterians, and really many more borrow from the Book of Common Prayer's language in their marriage and burial rites. Uh, even, okay, so Thomas Nelson uh, puts, puts out uh, was it, uh, the pastor's handbook or whatever used huge by Baptists and everything especially when they've got to do um, uh, a wedding I, I, I know I've used it um, and, and you know a lot of, of it when you get to the vows and everything that's, that's straight book of common prayer so yes even the Baptists What's that? Sounds like plagiarism. Yes, yes. I'll let, the, I'll let the crown deal with the copyright here. Uh, and it's not just us. The Book of Common Prayer has been translated into 150 other languages. I... Uh, Anglicanism is the third largest denomination in the world uh, behind, uh, behind the Roman Catholic Church and Eastern Orthodoxy. Uh, and, and so 150 other languages all around the world have, have uh, 
their own book of common prayer. Lastly, before we handle just the practical matters, bring up some... Oh, oh, I forgot to mention one thing. Handel's Messiah. Uh, uh, Handel's Messiah is truly an Anglican work. The, uh, uh, it, sure, it uses the King James Version of the Bible for most of its scripture readings. However, the Psalter of the Book of Common Prayer is different. It is not the King James Version. It's a much older uh, translation of the Psalms. It's called the Coverdale Psalter, uh, which was done by one of Thomas Cranmer's close friends, uh, uh, Bishop Miles Coverdale. Uh, he, he wound up translating most of the Bible. Um, uh, but that is the Psalter that the prayer book had from the beginning. Even in, uh, even in the 1600s, when the prayer book reached its sort of final form in England, uh, using um, the King James Bible for most of its scripture readings, it maintained that Coverdale Psalter. And when, uh, when, uh, when Handel started setting all these passages of scripture about Christ, foretelling Christ, or uh, later about Christ, uh, to music, he used the King James, except for the Psalms, where he continued to use the Coverdale Psalter, which is in the prayer book. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> That's, what's that? Yeah. Um, anyhow, here are some uh, remarks about the prayer book. Uh, that I, I particularly found potent from people from across the Christian tradition. John Wesley, uh, that, that great uh, founder of Methodism who himself was an Anglican priest until he died, said, I believe there is no liturgy in the world, either in ancient or modern language, which breathes more of a solid, scriptural, rational piety than the common prayer of the Church of England. C.S. Lewis wrote about the prayer book, At its greatest, it shines with a white light, hardly surpassed outside the pages of the New Testament itself. The professor and bishop uh, New Testament scholar N.T. Wright writes, I love the weekly collects in the Book of Common Prayer. Again and again, they... I think I retyped that wrong. <laughs> they outshine in their elegant but profound synthesis more recent <laughs> attempts to capture Christian truth and turn it into prayer. Finally, the, the 19th century uh, Anglican priest and, uh, and professor Percy Dearmer wrote, There are two books in the English language which stand out preeminent above all others, which are better known 
and greater even than the works of our greatest poets. They are the Bible and the Book of Common Prayer. So, the way this class is going to work and the dates here are already wrong because I forgot. <laughs> I, I forgot that we're having the budget meeting on the 11th, so, so this will be slightly reordered, but that is what it is. This is at least the broad <coughs> overview of class. Today is the introduction. Ta-da, you're introduced. Um, uh, we will go through three classes, two to three classes, on the prayer book's history how it developed, what its sources are, and um, uh, all the way from, from its original creation in the 1500s to its sort of final original form in the 1600s to, to all of the modern editions that have come about over the last few centuries as the prayer book has spread throughout the world, including here to America. Uh, we will, we will then talk mostly about the 2019 prayer book. We will take several weeks to deep dive into this. Uh, so you've got several weeks if you want to have a prayer book with you to order one. Um, but, but that said, we will start with the daily office. Uh, we'll spend... Um, We'll spend probably two classes on the daily office. There are two long offices, the original offices, which are morning and evening prayer. There are also two short offices, uh, midday and Compline. Uh, and then the great, probably the best thing that the 28 and 79 prayer books did that has been kept around for the 2019 prayer book is, uh, is called family prayer. Uh, it's teeny tiny little offices that still keep the same form and are great to use as a family or just when you're in a rush uh, and still want to have that prayer time during the day. So, so we'll spend a lot of time on how you can actually use the prayer book in your daily life, either by yourself or as a family. From there, we'll move, of course, to this what we do here, the Eucharist service, um, and then all the other services that are in the prayer book. We will explore, one, how they're done, but also the meaning of the language behind them. If you, were, uh, if you went to our fall retreat, you know that, that uh, Cranmer was very intentional with, with the theology that, that he infused into what were already very old liturgies. Uh, and so we will explore how that, how that theology still preaches the gospel to us today as we go through our Sunday morning or our, our prayer time on our own. Uh, and finally today, and yes, we are finishing five, uh, well, ten minutes early, probably. Um, uh, here are three websites that, that will be helpful to you. Um, so the first one is 
is the actual publisher of our book of Common, common Prayer. Uh, this is where you can buy a hard copy of the Book of Common Prayer. There are several sizes of it. Um, all of them are actually on sale. They're having a 10th anniversary sale to the end of this month. So now's a really good time to get one if you've wanted one. Uh, all of the prayer books on there are the 2019 edition. That's all they publish. But the green one has uh, archaic language. They've sort of retro, whatever. Uh, they've translated it back into uh, Elizabethan Eng English for people who really love that. Um, but, but all the red ones are the exact one we use. Uh, second, if you want to get started actually saying morning and evening prayer, or, or midday and Compline as well, uh, dailyoffice2019.com brings up the liturgies automatically for you, and it has the right readings for any particular day you're in. So if I bring it up right now, it would bring up today's readings in the prayer book. There is, there is. Uh, uh, so yeah, the, uh, this also exists as an app, uh, and you can set it to your preferences where the liturgies have more than one option. Uh, so it's really great, really accessible. Which and, one are you talking about now? Uh, the, sec the second, the dailyoffice2019.com. Okay. Uh, so... So yeah, it's very adjustable and everything very easy to use either online or on their app. Uh, finally, for easy guides to most of our liturgies, uh, 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 anglicancompass.com will walk you through any of our daily prayer liturgies as well as the Eucharist liturgy and we're bringing out more helps all the time uh, for that, as well as many other topics uh, in the Anglicanism, like why why do we wear the funny clothes that we do? So, uh, if if you got any questions, uh, just just ask. We've got a few minutes. This book here says copyright 2016. <laughs> do I need to? Take it to the used bookstore? Oh, 2016. Uh, that, let me see here. That's the same. Oh, okay. That's the 79 prayer book. Oh, okay. uh, so, so that's that's the main prayer book used in the um, in the Episcopal Church right now. Some ACNA parishes still use it, uh, and everything. Uh, it's what I got started with, so it's 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 not bad, you know. To, to have in your collection. It's, it's not the one that we're going to be walking through when we start doing that. Anything else? Shane. Uh, it takes a really long time to do all of the readings. Am I allowed to just do one reading? <laughs> the, question, the question for those <laughs> who, are, who, are listen, who are listening online uh, is... Is it takes a really long time to do the assigned readings. Uh, is, it, is it okay to do just one reading? 
Uh, yes, there are actually ways. Uh, also, uh, you can you can divide up the readings between uh, between morning and evening prayer, so so that uh, so that you do a two year cycle instead of one year cycle. Do the do the morning prayer readings one year. Do the evening prayer readings the next year. Uh, and, and so you're doing half, half the amount of, of reading. Just split those morning prayer readings up between morning and evening prayer. Split the evening prayer readings up between morning and evening prayer the next year. Uh, and there's also abbreviation, suggested abbre- abbreviations to the readings in there as well, if you want to shorten it. Yeah, that, that's what they do, yeah. Yeah, the, fam- the family prayer, uh, that's, that's the shortest uh, version of the office that you can do. And, and that, that basically has the, the, the same selected scripture or, or just a small number of variants every day. You're not going to be reading through the Bible in any particular way with, with that. But it's an easy way to get your prayer time in and then you do your Bible reading however you want when you want. Anything else? And we'll talk a little bit more about the readings, the lectionaries, and everything as we get into uh, talking about uh, the daily office. Are you going to record this? I'm not going to make all 14 or Yeah, 15. yeah. This, this, this is being recorded. Uh, we've got Nick's phone right here on the on the podium, so so uh, it it should all be recorded. If if not, I'll sit at my computer and and record the whole thing. Bless you. <laughs> all right. Anything else? All right. Well, thank you all for being here. <laughs>